is knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 225. Today, I have Jason Lingren with me, and I have Derek Soroka. We're going to talk about some law ideas, the rights ideas again. Um, what we've done is we've looked for people who have run into huge hassles, educated themselves up, and then gone at it to deal with things like simply changing the title or, or the deed of a house, things like this. Um, it's crazy what we run into. What we're going to do here, just so people don't lose their dang minds, is we're not going to label common law, admiralty, we're not going to put labels on it. What we're doing here is we're addressing things people have done that are provably workable. For today, the things we're going to talk about occurred in the state of Michigan. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good morning, Crow. How's it, man? You're in your new place, finally. It is very dirty and very, well, just things everywhere. But yes, I'm in my new place. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Moving is among the worst things. <laughs> I, I hate having to move. Um, I've done it so many times. Anyhow, do we have anything to add in or should we get Derek in here? No, let's move forward. All right. Welcome, Derek. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Good, man. Did I butcher your last name or did I get that straight? You nailed it right. All right. I keep trying to say Soroika, but I'll say Soroka and, and try to keep it. Anyhow, what we're going to do is we're going to work from the set of bullet points here, Derek, and I'm going to have Jason introduce the backstory that occurred from you when you got out of the U.S. Army after a 12-year service period. You came out as basically what would be the equivalent in most branches as a staff sergeant. Uh, in charge of platoons. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because I served in the military. And I know that when you're in charge of other human beings in the military, you're responsible. That's why you're there. Um, and to make E6 even makes you responsible or you wouldn't be there. Anyhow, Jason, you want to cue us up here? So Derek, let's start with your earliest intentions and all that. What made you join the military? How was your military career? And what got you into studying the law? Sure. So um, I joined, like many people have, directly after 9-11. Thought that our country was under attack. I noticed a lot of my friends were very uh, kind of living in fear of it and would rather just leave the country instead of fight the good fight. And I'm the kind of guy who would rather take the fight to the enemy instead of having the enemy bring it here. So I joined uh, with good intentions and when I got there, and this is kind of opposite of the law stuff, but when I got there and I found out that our intentions of being over in Iraq were not what we were doing. So um, maybe we can save that for another day's talk. <laughs> I, I, I did the same thing. I served during the first Gulf War and it became pretty apparent. But let's just jump over. So you, you get back home and basically uh, you're going to inherit your family's home. You're going to make an effort to transfer the property deed and you get a zone ordinance violation. And um, so you started to educate yourself about the law in your state of Michigan. And let's jump right in. So first of all, you get home, you inherit property. Let's take it from there. Paint the picture. Okay. So uh, when you do the transfer of title ownership from property to property, you usually go to some title aid agency company locally. Um, that's what my mother and I did after my father passed away. Uh, we got the inheritance from that. We decided I would take over the family home. She would get her own new place and just transfer title to me. So we went to this title agency place close by and we did what is called a deed transfer. And you pay for it. They print up a new deed. 
Um, they register you as the new taxpayer. And then from there, everything seemed fine. I thought everything was right. I'm sorry to interrupt here, but let's be very clear. You're doing this at the municipal level, right? Just in your hometown kind of thing. Yep. It's, it's hometown. The property transfer person who does it, they aren't necessarily employee of the government, but they um, are usually a notary because they have to notarize the actual deed to make it an official legal document. I interrupted your train there. I apologize, but I wanted I wanted to be clear. We've talked so many about the different levels of where people uh, can file things and do things. So go ahead and, and carry on where you were going there. Right. And um, me being the curious person I was after looking into conspiracy theories and stuff, I had overheard something about our deeds for our houses not being actual titles, being some type of feudal title in nature to where uh, it's a lower level of, of ownership. It's not full ownership. So I decided to go to the county records at the Register of Deeds. That's what we have here locally. And thumb through and see everybody that owned the property before me. I printed out their deeds all the way back till uh, the state of Michigan issued it to the first technical homeowner. And I had noticed that between a vehicle title which is called the certificate of title, you see one person on there and you see the uh, identification of the property, what, you know, what it is. When it's a, a house or land, you have the grantor, which is the person selling the property, the grantee, the person who's receiving, and then um, your township will put their own stamp on it as well. And I always thought that was kind of weird to have multiple parties if we're just explaining ownership of one person. So I researched further. I compared it to things that I looked up that, that seemed to compare more to a trust. A trust is set up almost in the same fashion. You have a trustor and a trustee. Trustor sets up the trust. Trustee receives maybe the property, maybe responsibilities that have to do with the property. And then there's a beneficiary. That's a person that pretty much doesn't have to do any work. And just kind of receive the profits of, of uh, the property or, or may receive the property later on. And I, when I looked at my deed after researching that, it seemed like the township itself, if they're receiving tax revenue from me, then that would kind of make them a beneficiary if this was a trust. So I looked back in history and found out this is the same way the monarchs did it for feudalism. The king was the beneficiary. If a knight had to go on a crusade or whatever, he may entrust his property to somebody else to use it. So he was a trustor, person using the property was trustee, beneficiary was still the king. That's how feudalism worked. And that's what you found to be correct about your deed when you got out of the military to simply transfer it into your name. All that research informed you that that was the situation with your family home. Correct. So then during this time, uh, I had received a civil infraction, uh, which is just a ticket from a zone ordinance officer on my front door about um, a couple junk items on the side of my house, which like three things. And uh, I had an unregistered boat trailer in my backyard. So he would have had to come on my property, walk around my house to notice that the, the license plate on the boat trailer was no good. But I wasn't in use, you know. And I thought, this is ridiculous. So I called him up. 
the actual officer who wrote the ticket and said, hey, I'm not part of your system anymore. After I found out what you guys are doing with home ownership, um, I started severing my ties with the state of Michigan. So I had already had the intention of leaving the state of Michigan when I got this ticket. This would have been around June of 2017. And I went up to the township office, told them I'm not going to pay it. And we're just going to have to go to court over it. And they're going to have to try to prove that they have jurisdiction over me. How did you know to do that, though? Was it the research that you were describing that led you to understand that jurisdiction is an important part of this? And also, ancillarily, is it your contention that you realized that you had this kind of feudal system on the deed to your home and you knew it wasn't correct? Uh, yeah, both. I uh, During this time was probably near the beginning of me looking into what's going on with even the conspiracy side of what's going on with property ownership here in America. And that led me down the path with Mark Stevens, which your last guest uh, about this topic, Alfonso, mentioned. And Mark Stevens is a very good set off for learning about how does law actually apply to a person, you know, and can the courts actually prove that? Everyone has said the same about Mark Stevens. As a matter of fact, we may be trying to contact him. I don't know if he he comes out um, and does things, but uh, we've heard all good things about Mark Mm -hmm. and uh, Alphonse marks him as kind of a mentor. Yep. He, uh, but you know, he kind of got to his zone and, and stayed there. He leveled off and didn't go any further. I've, I've taken it way past uh, what he does, um, but he's still definitely a good person to get a hold of. But continuing on, uh, I took this ticket to court and decided that they were going to have to prove that I was a part of their system. And when I found out what was going on with these titles, I immediately went to the secretary of state here in in the state of Michigan, which is where you get your driver's license here and all that kind of stuff. A lot of places have DMV. And I surrendered my driver's license back to the secretary of state because I figured that was the point of entry where I decided as a legal adult that I would be a citizen of the state of Michigan. So if I'm going to now say that their laws don't apply to me, I need to rescind that contract and start severing ties. So they took it back. No problem. They thought it was a little weird because almost nobody would ever do that to just voluntarily surrender your driver's license back. And I unregistered all my equipment from them. How did you do that? Did you just have to file forms when you when you went up to the state capital or wherever it is to do this because there's no DMV in your state? Did you have to fill out certain forms? to uh, surrender or undo uh, your licensing agreement for your vehicle and the registration on all your vehicles? It wasn't even much of a form. It was just like me writing on a notepad saying, uh, I'm Derek Soroka. I no longer want your services. Please unregister all my stuff. Okay. An official declaration, basically, as a living man kind of thing? Yeah, basically. Yeah. And, uh, and that was at the secretary of state office. So you don't have to go in like a big government building or anything like that. I'm sure a lot of wherever you go to get your driver's license in your state, that's where you would do this. Yeah. For most people, um, it's a hassle. It's called the DMV. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so now that I've kind of put myself in that predicament, I had a little more backing. I could say, you know, prove that I'm a citizen of the state of Michigan, your laws apply to me. So when I started going to these hearings for this civil infraction ticket I got, you start out with an informal hearing, which is just the magistrate and the officer that wrote the ticket will also be in there and just a, just a room with you, you guys and the magistrate. And then we'll both explain each side. And when it was my turn to talk, I told the magistrate, 
Um, I'm not a citizen of the state of Michigan. I'm not even a citizen of the United States. So you don't have jurisdiction. He said he's not going to play that game. So I realized at that point, nothing that I said is going to be recorded in that room. So he's going to be able to get away with saying whatever he wants to bully me. So I left there peacefully. I cleaned up the little things that they thought were a nuisance, but I was not going to register my equipment with the state of Michigan. As more hearings progressed, they kept asking, well, why didn't you take care of this? I told them, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be part of your system, so I'm not, I'm not going to play that game. And then they decided that they, they sent a hearing notice at one point. I had missed it, some mail debacle, and then they immediately entered a default judgment, uh, just the magistrate, saying that um, because I missed a hearing, the judgment's put in, I have to pay all this money, and trying to close the case immediately. So I, I filed an appeal. This is just with the, the local county court, uh, a request for appeal to reopen the case back up. I had to pay a bond amount, and then that got denied. So at this point, I realized of all this, I still haven't even entered a plea to whether I was guilty of anything. So there's something wrong with the judicial system here. So I told the magistrate, you know what? I'm done with these little hearings where I'm not going to be recorded. I'm ready to go to trial. And he tried to say, oh, you don't want to do that. That's going to get costly for you. You got to pay for an attorney and all this. Nope. I'm, I handled it myself. So then I looked up online to find the actual court forms I needed to fight this case. And nobody really explains to you which court forms you need to find. So you just need to go to your local um, state's website for court forms. And I found mine just by Googling it. Ours is SCAO up here in Michigan. And you got to kind of thumb through what, what type of thing is, is it a civil action? Is it criminal? Um, and then just any form that looks like it could help you with your case. Even if you want to enter in an order for dismissal, you can do that. And that's exactly what I did. But first thing I knew that I needed to do was to fill out the answer sheet, the civil answer sheet. Anytime you get a ticket, could be a traffic ticket, could be a civil infraction like I got. That's just an officer witnessing something that happened, making a claim. But if you don't respond in your defense on paper, you look guilty. So I filled out the answer sheet. And from there, that's one of the only court forms where a defendant actually has a signature line. And you can tell them, hey, I'm not, this is not uh, right. I'm not part of your system. You have no personal jurisdiction. Check off the blocks you want sign it. And then also you need to enter into the court what you want that court to do, what you think it should do. Now, what's the name so, of this document again? And do you, is there a name other than the number you've cited for the state of Michigan? Um, does this document have a name? It's called appearance. It's the appearance form. It's okay. normally what attorneys uh, would have to fill out to put themselves on the case. Like there's even a line for a bar number and all that. But this is this is the place where this is the form where you establish your legal standing in the court. So if you're going to make a battle based on, oh, I'm sorry, we're talking answer civil. I totally got off the appearance one. The answer uh, sheet is the first form, answer sheet. Then after that, you fill out your appearance form. 
that's the one where attorneys normally fill out their stuff. You have to explain on there your legal standing. So tell them who you are and explain. There's a way to request personal jurisdiction challenge, and that's called a special appearance. So somewhere on that form, you have to say, I'm appearing under special appearance. And that will open up the door for you to be able to challenge personal jurisdiction. You have to have to have to put whatever you want that court to do on paper. Almost anything you say in court means nothing. Derek, did you find out when all this was started? How far back now? Obviously, most of the states, besides a few, have been around since the 1800s. So when did they start putting all these ridiculous ordinances and all that in, if you have any idea? I don't know when. I'm sure it's all based on when each township developed. The townships are the newest part of it. You know, the counties, a lot of the counties are even older than the states. Doesn't the history trail of your deed for your home, I mean, was the first person in a feudal situation? You reviewed those documents, so we could look at it that way, if you understand what I'm asking. The first one just says land grant. Grant the gifts, right? In fact, it even says patent on the very first one. It's a land patent. And I'll explain that in the later version of the show, uh, what, what goes on with that. Okay. But yeah, then you can, you can see through all the documents as it progresses. It starts turning into deeds, warranty deeds, all the different types of deeds they have. You'll start seeing that specifically labeled on the paper. And that's when you can tell that you've lost your, your actual ownership rights. All right, let's try to keep on the straight and narrow. You filled out two forms, an answer, and um, what was the other one called again? Appearance. Appearance. So those two forms are now filed. You've said special appearance on the one because you're not going to submit to jurisdiction. Right. And now that you fill out your appearance form, you mentioned special appearance on there, you have now legally put yourself into the court. So if you don't ever fill that out, they're just going to put you in however they want. And you might not get much rights, any much protection at all. What are the options? What do you mean? Well, you said that they'll do it for you. What does that mean exactly? Like, what would they possibly put you down as this over that kind of a thing? So, like, they don't recognize your rights necessarily, Um, you have to exercise your constitutional rights. They are not self-executing. And if you're not legally present in the courtroom by paper, they don't technically have to honor your constitutional rights. So they may treat you like a ward of the court where they say you have to have an attorney because you're not even competent enough to speak. It's almost like you're not even there. Yeah, I've understood some of this before where they basically look at you as an imbecile. You are not fit to speak for yourself. Right. And this is something Mark Stevens never mentioned in, in the stuff I've seen. But if he would have mentioned that, that would have helped out a lot of people, I'm sure. Just filling out that appearance form. Well, to be um, fair, there's a lot of trailblazers here, um, which is are. why you're with us. And just for everyone right. listening, we're laying down things that were successful here. Um, I yep. know it's tedious, but let me tell you something. This It sounds a little tedious. Yeah, you know, people got to live and do things in the world to have to deal with this nonsense. But let's go from there. So you're, you're going to come into a special session or whatever the heck it's called, not having submitted to jurisdiction. Right. So we got those two forms in. Now I'm legally present in the courtroom without even the trial starting just because my, my papers are filed. And 
I can now tell the court what I think it needs to do. So they made me pay a bond. I told them, I ordered the court to pay me back every dime that they took from me. What was um, the charge on the bond, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it was, gosh, I can't remember how much the bond, the bond wasn't too expensive, but it was the almost like fee for missing a hearing was like $125 alone. Okay, go ahead. Keep going here. The total ended up being 185 but I ordered the court to pay me that back in a release of funds form. Then there's, I ordered the court to dismiss the case and there's going to be a block there that says with prejudice or without prejudice. So if you check with prejudice, then you're telling the court, you can never try me for this type of action again. And if you check without, then they can reopen another case similar whenever they want. <laughs> that seems like just a pitfall. I mean, come on. So what they're doing is they're playing the 50-50 game. You know, maybe someone won't check the right box and we can come screw with them. So it's it's beyond the pale yeah. what goes on. All right, keep, oh, yeah. keep going here. Keep pushing. And on these forms now, you don't have a signature line. Only the judge does. So it's almost like they try to think that the judge is the only one that can make orders in a court. So I created my own signature line on these forms. And I signed it and I wrote defendant underneath it and I dated it, each form. So it was under my authority that this action occurs in court. I don't need the judge. So just to put to rest all the capital, not capital curse, and you just signed your name as you ever would, right? That's right. Okay, go ahead. I put an order of no trespass also just, just to tell them, stay off my property. You know, um, I don't even care if it's a tax appraiser. Uh, if you're coming on my property with a, a weapon, I could have kids in my backyard. My dog could be in my backyard. You know, we don't need an uninvited incident like that happening. So I uh, put all that into, into the court and I even showed up for the first hearing that was scheduled just to find out that they already closed my case. Prosecution dropped. They did a null prosecute form. They basically told the judge, oh, he, he fixed all the problems that we said, so we're good to go. And the judge, <laughs> he has a little line that says uh, he's ordering his court to release the funds back to me every dime I requested. So that wow. was the final order. It was all put in. It was all done before I even stepped in the courtroom. Everyone listening, here's the important thing. I can already see the comments coming in of people who know a better way. Maybe you do. Maybe it's different in your state, but what you just heard was a success story. That's why we're covering it. The way I view what's going on here is very few people understand how to proceed, how to defend their rights, and how to deal with the court systems we have to deal with. But Derek, let's get back. So you still have a property deed that's basically under feudal ideas, unless did that somehow get resolved during the course of all this? Ah, this battle is still happening. So now that was just a zone infraction, and I won by lack of personal jurisdiction. Now I'm battling county and the state of Michigan because of the property taxes. You know, what right do you have to charge me to stay on my own land in my house if I technically own it? That's always been kind of weird to me. Good question. Like, I, I can understand, like, if the local municipalities say, hey, we're requesting this money. We need this so that we can provide you services. Hey, no problem. I'll give you whatever you want, you know, but don't hold my property ransom to get that money. If it's mine, it's mine. All right. So let's start at the beginning here. You've got a deed. You've done the backstory all the way back to the original owner. 
Uh, you've just gotten out a 12-year stint in the military during wartime, I might add. You've served your country, and you find out you don't even own your own damn house. It's under some feudal nonsense. Take us through it. Where did you start? Where did it go? Right. So you can get your deeds or the, you know, the, all the, do the title search through your county records, or you can, you can also go to the state. I live really close to the capital of the state of Michigan. So I have access to a big library and they have an archive section, which has all the old land patents and all that. They have a law library, which explains how the law progressed through the state of Michigan. To which I found out, I, I looked up the exact laws that the property tax was being enforced under, where it originated from, and how it progressed. And this was all the way back in uh, 1893 is when the first property tax law came out from the state of Michigan. And this law said that the transaction, title transfer, that transaction will be taxed. But that's it. So the only time it was originally taxed back in the day was just when you went to do the property transfer title. And then that was it. There was no reoccurring property tax. And now there is. So over time, they worded it to say, well, this money pays for offices and officers and, and everything. So when they put salaries, people's salaries behind the revenue coming in, they basically made it mandatory for everybody. Well, let's, now, let's point out another thing. There are plenty of people who will state, and I think rightly for most states, that originally the only taxes being drawn were from businesses. And I don't know if every state's, but I just want to put on the record that what you're doing is you're going back, doing the research and figuring out what's going on. So right now you're finding out that you're getting taxed and you figured out where it started and you figured out that the salaries of, you know, your local mayor or the city council or whatever, these people are all tied to the supposed reason you're being taxed. Right. And through this process, I also decided to look up trust law. I'm already in the law library. They have the trust law there too. Come to find out, in one of the, it was a probate and trust journal or something, one of their law books up there at the state law library, it said that the purpose of registering your trust is to establish jurisdiction. And guess where you register your deeds to your property? Same place that you register your trusts at the county register. So wait a minute. If some, uh, let me let me try to understand what you just said. So a lot of people have had parents that have passed away. The house was put in trust before that. Are you saying that dealt with the jurisdiction problem by having the house in trust and their family trust? Yep. All trusts are getting registered into the state. Does that make a whole, like, you know, even my family stuff, some of that is interest. Does that mean that my family actually owns that deed? I would say no. And the, and the common misconception is, is that a deed is a thing. A deed is, is kind of like a recording. It's a legal action. So even a presidential pardon is a deed. So we got to kind of not think of a title being a document. A title is just an explanation of a person's relationship to an object. That's what title means. What are you entitled to do with that thing? Do you own it? Are you just allowed to use it? That's what a title is. All right, go ahead. Continue on, please. Well, I interviewed a realtor, local realtor. I interviewed a real estate attorney, and I interviewed a trust attorney, all local people. 
I uh, recorded them on audio just to be able to compare notes. And it seemed like that they either couldn't give me a straight answer or they understood that there's no such thing as a title document. It's metaphysical. So how are you going to prove that you own something if you don't have a legal document saying you are the owner? That's, that's a big problem. And this is what I think that the states used to bring feudalism back into our country after the Civil War, as they turned property ownership into more of a trust relationship, registered it into their jurisdiction, and just said, ha, huh, everything is ours now. You now have to pay us to use it. All right. So how did you proceed? So from there, I got my property tax bills from the, from the county. I, I wrote emails to them telling them, hey, I'm not, I'm not part of your jurisdiction anymore. I just had a, a case proving that in your own county. And they didn't seem to care. I realized I wasn't getting anywhere with the county. So I decided to file a federal complaint. And just like your Alfonso said in your other episode, that if you want to get an action against you know, your local county, your state, for a violation of the U.S. constitutional rights, and yes, your, your right to own property is inherent in that, you have to take it to a federal court. Let's make a critical point for everyone listening. Alphonse laid it down in Alphonse's words, if I remember correctly, he said you'll get run over by your local yep. jurisdiction, but he said that's not a problem because it's giving you a record to work with. Um, right. And as Derek has just pointed out, you got some rights in this world. Just so happens that they're up at the federal level. As Alphonse laid down, the lowest level is municipal. Above that is state. In most cases, I'm being very general. Above that would be the federal idea or the constitution. So please, please proceed. You've gone into federal jurisdiction. Yep. So I had to learn so much stuff. This took me three years of, of learning all these different things I had to do. Now I had to figure out how to draft a complaint form, which is basically like you're creating your own memorandum. Got to have the, the title page, the, the case, the person you're suing, uh, your information, and then you have to list cause of action, why you're bringing this case, what you're saying that the other party's doing is wrong. Then you have a paragraph called jurisdiction and venue, where you have to explain why the federal court has the right to hear the case. So you are yourself empowering the court to hear the case. That's stuff that I know he tried to mention. I'm, I'm not going to critique with the way he went because you know, I'm, I'm not here to bash anybody. I went a little bit different. So I, I went against, it's also against conspiracy against civil rights. Mine was just a little bit different. All I had to do was file it under federal question. So there's two ways federal court can hear your case. It's either your local government disobeyed the U.S. Constitution, and you can prove it. That would be called a federal question. Or two, the case is between two parties of different states. And that would be considered diversity jurisdiction. You'll find all this out when you, you'll have to print off, I think it's title 22 or 28, might be 28 of uh, the U.S. code. And just to take a quick sidestep, when you want to understand what citizenship really means, it's a legal binding contract you have with your government agency. Citizenship is a relationship between a person and the government. So that's a binding contract. And what does that contract look like? One side is the constitution. The other side is the statutes. It's a quid pro quo relationship. 
Now, are there tiers to citizenship, though? Like you're a township citizen, you're a state citizen, you're a federal citizen, that sort of thing? The only thing that I've seen is state and federal, and I do believe that it's two citizenships, not one, because you can get charged for the same offense from both those jurisdictions, and it's not considered double jeopardy. So you are a state citizen, if you if you choose to still be that, and a federal citizen. And they both have their own constitutions. They both have their own set of statutes that they expect you to abide by. And that's supposed to be a voluntary system, you know. When you hear a lot about the sovereign citizen movement, they kind of have a point because you're not forced to be a citizen. You can rescind that. If you rescind your federal citizenship, you could get exiled out of the country. So that might not be the best thing to do. But if you resend your state citizenship, you still have all your U.S. constitutional rights. That's a whole different contract. And that's what I've done. Still with me so far? Yeah, um, I, I have so many questions, but I keep every time we stop, we kind of break the chain. So just go ahead. Keep going forward. Okay. so citizenship is a contract. You got two of them. I broke one of them. That's why I said state doesn't have personal jurisdiction over me. Uh, Getting back to my case, the things that I used to for sources to learn were national archives on on the internet. Is where that's the official U.S. government's website for U.S. Constitution, the uh, Declaration of Independence, and the Bill of Rights, and all that. You can see that in transcript form on there. And then there's another website called the Government publishing office, GPO. This one breaks down like each amendment and it explains it, judges talking about it, what it truly enforces, different cases that were used to enforce it. So that's definitely good to have. I recommend everybody using that. The US code, like I mentioned before, that's where all the statutes are. Just like uh, Alfonso said about the state rules of evidence and civil procedure or criminal procedure, there's also federal rules of civil procedure, criminal procedure, and evidence. So if you were to sit back and just take all the sources you're expected to know to be a legally binding citizen, it would just baffle you how much stuff they expect you to know. Well, this is kind of the point, you know, most people don't even understand they're in these agreements or contracts, whatever the heck they want to be called. And that's the problem of what's happened here. I'm told by people who are older in my family that my grandparents, when they were still here, were much more involved with constitutional ideas and government and these types of things. And it had not gone so far afield, but this is what I can state in my lifetime. And I was born in the early sixties. By the time I was getting up into where you should be learning about government and the Constitution and all that, it was already becoming something else. Some people had it called civics, and it kind of started to go towards social studies or just anything to kind of remove it from the curriculum up to now, where what's gone on is it's a complete joke. You know, now you're going to go to a university online and act like you've got an education that's valuable. My point here is it's a boondoggle. And what you're pointing out is that who, who would have time to work and feed the dog and raise a child to know all these things? And that's the problem. It's not doable. For a human being to exist and do all the things that a human being has to do in the course of life, to turn around and have to basically get a law education, it's not feasible for most of us. 
we got about 10, 15 minutes, Derek. So let's try to get somewhere meaningful before we got to take the break for the second hour. All right. Yep. In addition to the to school stuff, that's that's one of the fixes. They have to get this into the curriculum immediately. And when I looked at a lot of stuff my kids brought home, it was what state do you live in? So immediately at a young age, the kids are now going to admit what government they belong to. That seems kind of a, a trap. Know, you know, it is a trap. It's a trap, just like uh, you know how we learned about our solar system and all that stuff. We're not smart enough to be able to debate that. Going on from there, I also have a Black's Law Dictionary, which is the 10th edition, um, which I think is still the most recent one. It's huge. It was kind of expensive, but that gives me the definitions of terms that I had to use for a lot of my core documents. Some of the core documents are titled with words I didn't know. So I had to get that dictionary to find out what they mean. And this dictionary has court cases that explain why that word means that definition. And a lot of stuff is different. Like the word person can be a corporate entity that is in there. What also is in there that I found out is the word state. The word state is not a physical place. So if you tell people you live in the state of Michigan or the state of Ohio or wherever, you're only telling them that you have a legal residency and a jurisdiction. That's not a physical place. This place already has a name here. It's called Michigan. Isn't it a different thing with the state of Michigan and Michigan State? They're actually two separate things. One is, like you said, a metaphysical, and the other one's the actual physical place. So if you're going to use those two, the state of Michigan is basically saying the government of Michigan. And then uh, Michigan State sounds more like a corporation of the state of Michigan, um, such as Michigan State University, you know, our school, uh, stuff like that. And here's another fun fact. Uh, University of Michigan was actually formed before the state of Michigan. So they formed in 1817. This state didn't get uh, created and entered into the union until 1837. So <laughs> it precedes the state of Michigan. And that kind of blows people's minds. Like, how is that possible? Because a state is a government. It's not a physical place. So we've got a few minutes here. Let's get back on the trail of how you're proceeding to deal with the deed that is under feudal type control. All right. So I have the uh, correspondence with uh, the local county about the property taxes and all that. You know, I sent them the court documents, all that. They still think that they have the right to do whatever. I switched my argument over to a originalism argument where I basically tell them, here's how the forefathers set this up, where things went wrong. And then at the end of my legal argument, I am explaining what I've already implemented to help change things. And what I did was I immediately decided that if my deed is not going to prove that I own this property, I need to make my own title to own the property. So I claimed, I laid a land claim big enough to encompass the entire county. That way, I'm creating a new zone of jurisdiction where I can start helping everybody in this county get their title back to their land because the county and the states, they're not doing it. Damn. There it is, man. There it is. We're all freaking connected. It's one yep. thing to get yourself out of the mustard, but when you die, the people you love are right back in the mustard. Square one, contending where you had to contend. Hey, man, kudos to you for recognizing that very important point. Just to pull yourself out here is not enough. 
because it doesn't remove the problem. But anyhow, let's try to maximize what we got left here in hour one. So you're making a claim for basically what amounts to your county or some such. Right. And I did that by first off making my own certificate looking uh, document that I found at a uh, local office max, typing my own declaration of land claim. And in the description of the property, I literally took the paragraph from the old territorial law book of Michigan before it was a state. This was the paragraph that created Ingham County. And I put that directly into my land claim saying, I'm claiming all of this area. And then I signed it, dated it, put that on a big poster board, said legal notice. I posted that up at all four corners physically of the county. And, you know, I got a couple calls, got a couple emails. People weren't too freaked out about it. They were just curious what was going on. And I also posted it in the local newspaper. I paid over $100 for that so that my land claim was in the classified section of the local newspaper and it was up for a month. It went out to multiple different other publications in the area as well. Wow. So, well, I got to cut to the chase before we go on. Does this work? We're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, carry on. Carry on. So this is my fight. Uh, my case is still open right now. There's a federal magistrate that uh, tried to shut it down. He was listing things that were completely irrelevant to my case. And I wrote a rebuttal to it and explained how those don't apply to me. And I've entered in all my evidence I have. I've created a PowerPoint presentation on disks, submitted those into the federal court also. And then COVID came in. And then the federal courts got shut down. <laughs> you know how many possible wins that Jason and I have covered that this pandemic, this pandemic has stopped. Uh, it's insane. There's one going on in Australia where they've clearly won to show that the fake queen they invented ain't going to cut the mustard. So let's let's get a little bit further in here. So let me just, get the uh, in rem in personam thing real quick. I, I can okay. skip that one. Okay. Um, so when I went to the county court, I'm starting to have hearings and let them know, hey, I filled out forms and everything. You don't have your laws don't apply to me. They told me and informed me, oh, don't worry, we're not suing you. We're suing the property. I'm like, well, <laughs> well, how's my property going to defend itself in court? You I know? think that's why they're suing it. It's like, yeah, go ahead. There's another exactly. convenient trap. Yep. And this is called in rem jurisdiction. This is the same tactic that is used in civil asset forfeiture that was rampant all over the country. Um, police were pulling people over in their cars and confiscating their vehicles, money saying, oh, we think you use this for drug trafficking or whatever, you know, no proof. Person never got charged with anything and their stuff got seized. So our local governor here decided that She's going to enact laws to make sure that if property gets taken from somebody and they're going to use that jurisdiction, that they well, for one, they can't use that jurisdiction. They would have to charge the person and convict them of something criminally before taking their property away from them. Now, that completely contradicts what goes on with property taxes. So they sue the property itself. When I go in, it don't matter what I filed into the court. It doesn't matter what I say in the court. My U.S. Constitution's not with me. I'm not there legally because I was never summoned to court. I was never charged with anything. And so they can just steamroll me 
Let's call it what it is. It's stealing. It's one-sided yeah. game called stealing. But what you're pointing out is the difference between in rem and in personum, right? Exactly. In personum is what was used in the the uh, zone ordinance violation. So I was able to fight that. If you have a criminal offense, they have to use in personum. So your constitutional rights are with you. So get this. If you are suspected of committing a crime, you have more constitutional right to your property than a person who is behind on tax payments. Hmm. That should blow your mind. So now I've let the federal court know this is what's going on. I can prove it. I can see that this all started after the Civil War. And in, in part two, it can explain uh, who's been a little bit behind this whole movement. There is a whole kind of occulted knowledge around the Civil War. People who I consider very knowledgeable with vision beyond what two eyes offer have pointed out that it was a bit like separating the head, the north from the south, the body. Well, we may get into that someday, but let's try to wrap up and leave this in a fair place for the hour one because we're getting close. So let's let's tie a bow on what's gone on here as you've tried to get the deed to your house out from under a feudal situation where you basically don't even own it. Right. So to wrap up, what I got to do is my federal case needs to win. I need to get it at least served to the state of Michigan. Right now, they're not, it's just sitting idle. But once it gets served to them, the federal court can overtake what's going on with the state action. That's a little disconcerting because when the courts shut down, isn't that in fact a violation of our constitutional rights? We have no path. There's no door. There's nowhere to go. And I would point out one of the people who was going over rights, had, and I forget where it was drawn from, whether it was amendments or something, actually had the idea of quarantine in it. And the idea that was allowed uh, under constitutional ideas was that a quarantine and emergency situation could move forward hence for 14 days, but you quarantine sick people. Imagine that. They use common sense, not the entire world. And this is what has me a little worried about what's going to happen to our courts. Is something different going to come back? From these closures and how was it that if we're all if we all have rights of some sort that they can stop the very places put in place to protect those rights okay so basically let's sum up here you got your little municipal things like alphonse it was the same situation some code dude came tromping on his law you dealt with that successfully forthwith that's over, that's done, and I think you are under the assumption that you will never be hassled in that way by the municipality again because of the result of what you did. But the whole thing that started this is when you came back from the Army, you recognized that when you tried to change title or basically the deed of your house, there is a difference there, um, you found that there was some feudal nonsense going on and there were beneficiaries and all this anti-constitutional, against the rights of a living man stuff was going on with what most people would consider to be their family or ancestral home in some cases. And that's what you have initiated, teaching yourself along the way with mentors, and you are moving towards getting it up, as Alphonse recommended, into the federal court system where you can get a ruling and to put a fine point on it. If you find success at that level, you've just made a claim on your county and you've lifted every living man and woman out from under the yoke in your county. Um, I'd be very damn surprised if this became a smooth as butter thing, because I don't think anyone's relinquishing their kind of one-sided game that they've got here. 
Jason, anything you want to get in before we begin to wrap up the first hour of 224? Well, I'm very curious to see where, the, where this goes with jurisdiction and all that, but I guess I'll leave it there for the moment for hour one's sake. Okay. And we're going to follow up with you, Derek, and keep in touch with us. When you begin to learn where this is going, the whole reason um, that we made contact and did this is because we're so interested in the trailblazers of which you are recognizing there's a problem, getting off your butt, slogging through law libraries, which is no damn fun for most people, and trying to figure out um, where we lost our rights and how do we defend them. And um, so the first times we tried to cover this, there was all this infighting. My way is better than your way. And you don't understand because you're signing in capital letters and you don't understand because, you know, all this stuff. And it got very confusing at first until I came to the conclusion, what works? That's what we're going to go after. What works? So you have shown once again that the municipality can be dealt with forthwith when they overstep and violate your rights. Um, We've had a number of people that have showed you how to do it. Yours was not totally dissimilar from the way Alphonse handled it. Now, to get back to the title or the deed, it's not a title, the deed on your home, I'm guessing that most states are probably the same here and that people have no idea. Um, We've had people that have come on and described what a certificate is, what a registration is, and most people just get these things and still think they own the thing that's been certified or registered. At the end of the day, we're going to follow what goes on with you, Derek, and if you can find success or even if you find stumbling blocks, we will try to cover those things. That does bring the first hour of episode 225 to a close. We're going to come back and we're going to get into the rights at the federal level, which were originally designed when very beautiful buildings were built in Washington, D.C. I have heard it recently said that every ugly building built after those gorgeous buildings is unconstitutional to show where we've gone here. A lot of people think that that doesn't matter from my part. I think it matters more now than ever. We're starting to see curfews and the threat of National Guard. What's the next shoe that drops here going to do? We were all thinking, oh, people are going to get go back to work now. And guess what? Someone slapped the race card down on the table. And if you don't think that was done with intent, I've got news for you. That's actually true news. Um, anyhow, join us on the other side for free speech at crow777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. That is the only true Crow site. And now there's starting to be knockoffs on YouTube as well. It never ends. Join us on the other side. We're going to get into some critical ideas that deal directly with the rights of a living man or a living woman. There it is, man. Cheers.
Los Noé.